a Highline podcast. No normal people. Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And this is this is my co-host, Drip. <laughs> you drip. Uh, no, my name is Dixie the Drip Henning. And this is a podcast <laughs> where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. What is this? Are you just making the sound effect for the thing that's happening under our bathroom sink? Yes. I can't believe that thing. That home ownership is so... Chaotic and stressful. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It can be, for sure. Lots of house projects around the place lately, hasn't there been? I feel like we're never not having a house project. Yeah. Listen to us privileged people who... Bought a house during a global pandemic complaining oh, about the no. work. Look at us. We couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> we have technically like a five bedroom condo. Yeah. With two and a half baths. We have such a hard life. We're doing so bad. We have a drippy uh, sink pipe. And one of the sinks in one of the bathrooms yeah. drips a little. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But it's all new to us. We're Sorry first time to- homeowners. To live in my white privilege. Lots of new stuff <laughs> happening. It's all sorts of privilege going on there, for honest. But uh, yeah, that's what we've been up to. You you haven't been here to join me for these intros. To be clear, the last couple episodes, I've been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've not been here. points to head here. Nice. Thank you. You're welcome for the the narration. You're welcome. Points to head. That's very good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. You've been on all the interviews. It's not like we missed you there. It's not like uh, I was getting raging headaches. Yeah, we still have your chaos energy everywhere throughout the interviews. So we love that. We love do without me to hear it. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably be sad. It's kind of a dark question. Yeah, it is. Can I tell you something? I think I would be not. I think I would be a good widower. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think I should. I just go. (laughs) Should I just leave? No. No, but I we were talking on Ravel a little while ago about how marriage shouldn't be like your partner completes you. It's more like you're entering into something new together. And sure, there's all there's all sorts of flowery language for like becoming one. But I'm a whole person without you, you know? Sure. It's true though. We can say that. Do you you don't feel the same way? You feel like I if you if I went if oh, I no. went, if I if I went to the Lord, <laughs> sure. No, no, no. I like yes, obviously. Yeah, you're you. I'm me. But like, do I want to know? You what don't want to know what it's like? like. Sure. Okay, nah. I get it. Which is why I've made a point of saying that I will die before you. Oh yeah, 
I remember hearing this a lot. Even, you could be on your deathbed. You're planning on that. And I, w- I would kiss you and I'd be like, I love you so much, my love. And then I would go drive off a cliff. Romeo and Juliet situation. 100%. Yeah. Except the poison isn't fake. Okay. It's real. Right. <laughs> well, that's- This a- is what happens when 13-year-olds fall in love. They make stupid decisions. I mean, you I, were 15. So I fell in love with you when I was 15. That's so. different. <laughs> you were <Oops>. older. <laughs> and I was 18. Whoops. Fantastic. <laughs> there is no good segue available to no, us. So we're just going to make it not. happen right now. Our guest today. We have a guest. Is the wonderful Chad Icorn. Chad. Coming from the... I don't know what Ohio's like. I'm just thinking about how I don't, I can't, you say Ohio and I can't picture what it's like. That's because it's the most like middle of the road state in the United States, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Like if you're going to forget about a state, it's going to be Ohio. But I have heard that it is um, from another podcast that it is like very on par with what you would imagine the Shire. Yeah, that's what they being. call it on uh, the Shire Unexpected yeah. Podcast. It was the, the Shire of America, they call it. Okay, I'm going to roll with that then. Mm-hmm. Thanks for reminding me of that. You're so welcome. So coming to us from the Shire of America is our friend, <laughs> Chad. Which fits. It because, does? Because he you loves think? reading. and He does. Oh my gosh, we talk about his book club that mm-hmm. he started. Uh, that just sounds like a delightful way to dive into some spectacular stories. Mm-hmm. It's all fiction reading that they do which i'm i feel like i should try a book club based on fiction because i've done a book club based on nonfiction, and uh it's the worst drove me a little crazy yeah felt more like a bible study christian book study yeah yeah so i think i need to take a page out of chad's book here and try that we also talk about his love for cooking Mm -hmm. and all his favorite dishes he uh he waxes poetic about some pork carnitas Carnitas. that uh, just made us all hungry as soon as he started talking about it. So that carnitas always make me hungry. Yeah. Chad is also like hearted to me in that we like the nerdy stuff, especially math and engineering and physics and all that. So bunch of nerds up in here. I never expected someone to claim the tool MATLAB matrix laboratory as one of their passions oh yeah i tried to but, do uh, i tried to solve yeah, a math problem you were trying to check it out while you and, guys uh, were talking and i could listen not. it's all based on linear algebra which is very fun steven you already lost if me. you're in college you should take a linear you started algebra class the word because it was linear fun. and i yeah. already was lost so uh <laughs> yeah that's chad should i think we should just, just get straight to it shall we? hey hey guys hey guys just listen to it okay here it is Thank you. (laughs) We are going to get started with some rapid fire questions. Chad, do you feel ready? I'm so ready. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. Tea or coffee? Ooh, water? City or country? City. Phone calls or texts? Uh, I guess phone calls. Oceans or lakes? Lakes. Homebody or free spirit? What does that mean? Homebody? 
<laughs> would you rather stay stay home or would you rather go on go fun? out yeah. are you a bilbo baggins or are you a, so, a sackfield baggins so in both of those situations like probably my girlfriend and dog are coming with me so it doesn't really matter oh that's fair fair enough you're with the people you want to be with i'm with the people yeah i love that spender or saver uh saver i suppose do you call it soda or pop Pop, I think. <laughs> I don't I don't think about this too much. <laughs> Pop? Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. You sound skeptical. <laughs> A lot of these aren't like very decisive for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, that that's the end of the rapid fire, like the either or question. So uh that's like the most stressful part of the podcast, if that helps put you at ease at all. So Moving on to the icebreakers. These are going to be like more open-ended, just fun, get to know you questions. So we'll start with, uh, what is your favorite candy? Ooh, it depends on the season, I think. But seasonal candy. I think most dependable is whatchamacallits. You ah. have a whatchamacallit? Yeah. It's like if Twix bars were better. Yeah. It's just like if you made a Twix bar, like nice and good. Okay. <laughs> if you made a Twix bar good. I like that take. <laughs> I'm into that. They're just a little bit too caramely, the Twix bars. Totally. Yeah, I can feel that. And I, in warmer climates and especially in specific seasons, Twix is not the way to go. I have a big, like, capital letters weakness for peanut butter. So oh, yeah. oftentimes the answer is like a Snickers bar with the ice cream in it. Those oh, are really good. Yes. Take fives. Yep. Uh, How do you feel about Reese's? peanut buttery. Reese's are good. Okay. It's my brother's name. Ah, hard to go wrong. All right, what was your who was your first pet? Oh, so I think the answer to this is a black lab named uh, Mystery, Ooh. which is sort of a pun because our my last name begins with the letter E, so also his name was like Mister E. Mister E, I love it. It's a fun little. Anyways, I don't remember that dog because it it died when I was like one or two. I think that's uh, very good. Nice mystery. I know. All my siblings are much older than me, so they Come remember on. the dog. Uh, <laughs> but my first real dog was a wire terrier named Bailey, who I had basically all through tween and teenage years. And now I have uh, another small dog, and her name is Maple. That's a great name. What was the best gift you've ever received? Ever? A huge question. Oh. Yeah. On my 21st birthday, so this would have been... I think the end of my third year of college, uh, my brother Reese picked me up and, and he had made sure he's like, Hey, I'm picking you up for the weekend of your 21st birthday. You know, we're going to be doing birthday stuff. Make sure you've, you're not busy that weekend. And you've got like a bag packed, you know, clothes, toiletries, basics that you need to like survive for like three days. Yeah. I was like, okay, sick. Okay. So he picks me up and I was at OSU for anyone familiar with like the Columbus area uh, we left Columbus going east, and like, there's nothing east of Columbus. And I was like, what? Reese, you don't live over here. What? Where are we going? Like, and I specifically remember saying to him in the car, I was like, the only thing over here is the airport. Like, what are we doing? And as we like are pulling up to the airport, I'm like, oh, what is happening? Uh, <laughs> and um, he actually refused to tell me where we were going until like he had to give me the ticket that I had to show to the TSA agent <laughs> to get in. Uh, and on the ticket it said, uh, you know, to Las Vegas. And I was like, no way. So <laughs> that's the story of how for my 21st birthday, my brother like surprised me and 
kidnapped That's me awesome. away to Vegas. That's I wish incredible. my siblings loved me. Or we met okay. my sister, my oldest sister, who at the time lived in uh, L.A. Nice. She also met us in Vegas. It was That's an cool. awesome time. Oh, all right. Next question. What is a smell that takes you back to a good memory in your childhood? Ooh, fresh cut grass. We had a big yard growing up, just a little over an acre. And it was a lot of grass. Took a long time to mow it. And I loved hanging out in the backyard while mm. someone was mowing. Someone just, else like, enjoying. was mowing. <laughs> I mean, I started mowing when I was like 12 or something. But, yeah, you know. Same. I still uh, haven't same. mowed a lawn. And I turned 30 this year. That's so. insane. It's okay. It's, it's, it's a peaceful thing to do. But yeah. it's not like something to seek out. No. What are foods you will never eat? Ooh, licorice. Yes. Don't like licorice. Correct. Any color? Or is it specifically that like anise flavor? Any. Like, any. Um, Texture thing? No, flavor. Ooh. Just any flavor. Mm. Yeah. I love it. All right. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Mm-hmm. What if I don't participate in fashion trends? What if I just wear jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> that's totally good that seems fair. i don't know yeah. i don't really participate in trends maybe like silly bands in middle school oh yes you, absolutely that was, that was pretty stupid that I, I, yes it's not really like fashion but it's oh pretty my stupid. god i had so many it's early fashion it's accessorizing <gasps> yeah i like picked up like three off the ground i had three that's that i nice. found i was like yeah. yeah i mostly stole them from my friends um what is your <laughs> biggest pet peeve Ooh, I listened to Jeff's episode where he said the myth of redemptive violence. And I was just like, that's a killer answer. Right. Um, that came out of nowhere for so us rude. too. I was so caught off guard. I was like, you're supposed to say like chewing loud. Or people watching, walking slow at the grocery <laughs> store or something yeah. like that. People walking slow. Yeah. There we go. That's my pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. I found a, it. I'm a fast walker. Yeah. Everyone who like knows me knows I like walk fast when I'm like have something I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I, mm, Slow walkers, man. I'm only a fast walker at the grocery store. Oh, really? That's where I like go my slowest, I think. Nah, I'm like, let's get the stuff and get out. I'm, I've got things to do. And then also- I want to clarify, yeah. only fast walkers who lack like spatial awareness. If you're like <laughs> going slow and like, you know, I'm behind you and you just sort of like get to the side a little bit. Yeah. I'm, great with you that's so we're bfs already oh know? my gosh that's like one of the biggest things with my anxiety like going to the grocery store with my mom she like has no like spatial awareness when people are around her so she'll just like park her cart sideways in the middle of an aisle while she's looking at food and it's like mom the sideways there's, there's like seven people I on either side just like ugh. scoot to the side a little i try to climb in the <laughs> shelf to get out of the way like that's insane to me that's very tactical absolutely i do my best yeah just kind of like hiding in corners anyway uh who would you call your best friend oh probably my dog <laughs> <laughs> she's just so polite do you have a favorite failure? Maybe something that set you up for future success or taught you a lesson that has stuck with you? Hmm. My, um, my senior year of high school, I was on the verge of getting my Eagle Scout. I don't know how much you know about the requirements wow. for becoming an Eagle Scout. It's intense. But there, there's a whole they number of camping. things to go between the second highest rank, which is Life Scout and Eagle Scout. Right. Uh -huh. And 
additionally to that, you have to have done all of the work leading up to becoming a life scout. But I, I was at the rank of life scout and I had all the merit badges for Eagle, which is maybe roughly half of the work. And the main thing I had left was an Eagle Scout project, right. which, you know, requires like fundraising and planning and getting volunteers and doing something. And yeah. I ended up deciding, boy, I don't know if this quite counts as a failure, but I ended up not pursuing an Eagle Scout project and instead sunk all of like my time, my senior year of high school into our high school robotics team. And so when people ask like, oh, you, like, if I mention I was in Boy Scouts and people ask, oh, did you get your Eagle? I have to, I have to be like, no, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't get my Eagle Scout. Uh, I was right um, there and I took a left I, turn. <laughs> um, you know, arguably as or more qualified than your average Eagle Scout in terms yeah. of like all the stuff you would have learned getting it, but no, I don't actually have it. Right. <laughs> I mm. worked on a robot. <laughs> That's a great answer. I like that one. Finally, for the icebreakers, when you were little, what did you tell people you wanted to be when you grew up? An astronaut every time. Such a classic. Timeless, you know? Absolutely. Who doesn't want to be an astronaut? Yeah. I do not want to be an astronaut. All right. We found one. All right. We found one. One down. (laughs) Chad and I both want to be astronauts, though, so. That sounds terrible, actually. Although I heard you do get taller when you go into space, which would be cool. But it's fine. (laughs) That has to be like... Bones also get worse at being bones, though. Yeah. yeah. Potato. My my bones are already pretty iffy. Yeah. (laughs) They might not let you up. (laughs) They'd probably be like, nah. Kind of become more like bird bones (laughs) up there. It's not great. Well, my goodness. Chad Eichhorn. Did I say that correctly? Your last name? You did, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, a lot of people did not get it right on the first try. Eichhorn. I like it. I'm into it. How well, do you spell that? I am very proud to get it right. It's very German. E I C H H O R N. That double H. That's where it'll get. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for being on No Normal People with us. This is delightful so far. I'm happy to be here. Um, we're going to get started pretty much at the beginning. This is where we like to start with people. So, would you tell Dixie and I where uh, where you grew up and what your family was like growing up with as little or as much detail as you prefer. So I have three older siblings and if you look at the age gaps between them in years, it's uh, two years then three years. So between first and second and then second and third. And then there's another seven years between third and me. Uh, so yeah. I was definitely an oops baby. <laughs> and I was born to like very like classical, like white conservative Christian parents Classic. in yeah. Northeast Ohio in a, what I've now realized is a somewhat wealthy suburb. It never felt that way growing up there. But now that I'm like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, everyone there like had some money, not like Tom's, but <laughs> you know, the house is, were nice. Um, so it just sounds like classic middle class idea. Yeah. Yeah. People who would call themselves middle class. Um, yes, there you go. <laughs> I like that clarification. I appreciate that. So growing up in Ohio, I assume this is obviously where you end up going to high school too. Yes. We don't need to belabor like the childhood middle school age, but I do like focusing in a little bit on high school just because- nah, let's talk about puberty. Oh, well. <laughs> Jokes. Let's not, but high school, definitely. You're going to back off that one? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> what- I, I'm just kind of curious what kind of person you were in high school. I think these these are 
sometimes fun stories, sometimes not so fun stories, but I think it gives us a good glimpse of like what growing up was like. So maybe to focus the question, what, I mean, what kind of even like extracurriculars were you involved in? Like any sports? I heard robotics team, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was in a lot of extracurriculars. I was in uh, the marching band. I was the section leader for the euphoniums my nice. junior and senior year. Heck yes. Seat one euphonium. Love a euphonium. Um, yeah, it's a good, well, baritone when you're marching, yeah. you don't march with a euphonium. But yeah, um, they were great. Um, I was in uh, the speech and debate team. I was in uh, international extemporaneous speaking. So you nice. just sort of oh. talk an unrehearsed speech about some like current event that is assigned to you the day of the speech. Wow. I should have done so that in high school. you have to be like school. really informed on your international current events. Man. Totally. I should have done that. I can BS for days. Well, you, you had to like cite like real sources. Right. Um, right. Harder. Uh, <laughs> um, otherwise, they just put you up on Fox News. Ooh, we're getting political. Uh, <laughs> those were like the big time sinks of extracurriculars. Yeah. Uh, but as a, as a high schooler, I was a very like arrogant nerd. I like really <laughs> believed I was just superior to everyone. Top notch nerd. Yeah. I've, I've talked at length with like therapists about this now. I sort of <laughs> figured it out. But it, I think in good part, it sort of got reinforced really strongly Yeah. when I like went from the regular, like very accelerated math track to like an even more accelerated math track where I was just the only student doing it anymore. And yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, this is like all the evidence I need to like support this belief that I am just better than everyone. And I sort of just power tripped through high school. It's the gifted student struggle. I don't know the struggle personally, but I have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> From afar, yeah, you've just very far away. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. But when you're told, when you're told by teachers and you know parents and siblings your entire life, you're really good at school and you're really smart and you're really good at these things. It kind of gets to you after a little while. Mm. Yeah. So teasing apart, like what is like accurate and what isn't, and then yeah, again teasing apart, what does this change, like? my evaluation of myself versus like other humans. Yeah. You know, those are where it gets sort of dicey. Yeah. Um, and the value of you as a human without those things. Right. Yeah. That sort of like trailed me into college too, but I eventually sort of was like, Oh, I need to, I need to talk more. to someone uh, about this. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a moment though, when you transition from high school to college where you're like, you're used to, you know, as a junior and senior in high school being kind of like, the big cheese around the school. And then all of a sudden you're a freshman again. You're like, Oh, right. <laughs> this is how this works. Uh, humility. <laughs> there were a lot of like memes at that point in time on social media too, that were all like, Oh, you know, thinking you're the gifted kid and you're better than everyone else. And then like discovering, like being humbled by the difficulty of college. Right. Oh yeah. It sort of, again, like confirmed my whole like, oh, I'm better than everyone when that didn't happen to me, when I continued being like the best in all my classes in college, too. And I was oh. just like, oh, all these other people who thought they were the best. Oh, and I am they the best. I actually it. am. It's me. I've uh, confirmed it. I got Amazing. the highest grades. I understood the fastest. I blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Wow. It was a lot of evidence that led me to that position. It so was. Not so, healthy. <laughs> so you went to college immediately after high school? I mean, right yes, next yep. semester. What year did you graduate high school? 2015. Okay. Nice. So 
immediately going to college, where did you go and what was the degree in? I have to imagine it's like math or engineering or something like that. But So I went to OSU, which is, I think, the second largest university in the United States. And I studied uh, mechanical engineering and minored in computational science. Wow. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, so is... Is your degree, does that actually inform what you do for work now? <laughs> no. no. Um, I wish it did. I would like to be doing something that involves controls a lot more. But um, my first job out of college that I was at for a little over two years was working for a company whose clientele was data centers. And so what we provided to data centers was like, networking infrastructure plans and we would um set up a bunch of like networking hardware so that like like data centers themselves are very smart buildings and so we sort of were in the task of building automation of setting up all the things that make the building work as a smart building okay and now what i do is customize and deploy a mes package Uh, oh so (laughs) a software thing that a manufacturer would run inside their plant that's doing the manufacturing. So, oh boy. Um, It (laughs) uh, controls the logic of the manufacturing process itself. So let's say one station of workers has to attach a bunch of pieces to something that comes out of the previous station, like covered in a precise pattern of hot glue. Like the previous station is a Uh, robot that puts on a bunch of hot glue really fast. Okay. One of the many tasks our piece of software might do is hold off the robot from putting on the hot glue until the workers at the following station have all indicated they're ready to receive the part because hot glue cools really fast. And so once they all give the okay, then we, like our software, would tell the previous station to go ahead and apply the hot glue, for example. Wow. And all of the other like logics of how something gets manufactured. Sure. And then the other thing that an MES does is like database management. So a a lot of our clientele are auto manufacturers, but not all. We also have some like power wheelchair manufacturers and stuff. Um, Yeah. Okay. But like if something gets discovered that causes a specific vehicle to need to be recalled, the large, you know, manufacturer like GM would prefer to not have to recall every single car that was made in like, April and May of 2020, you know, they would much rather be able to dig into the database of how those cars were built to like the specific batch of parts that have the issue and then only issue a recall on the VINs of those cars that have mm. that specific like batch of product in them. Wow. You know, okay. That the flaw. And that saves them, you know, millions of dollars just having that like one little bit of knowledge archived. Totally. Like helping to organize that information and make it accessible when they need it. And saved somewhere, yeah. <laughs> wow, fascinating. I, of course, I think I could have gotten myself to a point where I'm like, oh yeah, like an auto manufacturer would want that or something. Mm-hmm. But this is just, it's it's another one of those examples of like, I didn't even realize that job existed or that product existed. Oh yeah. Fascinating. There was a lot of that in the data centers. Yeah. Because a data center is like a billion dollar building, you know, right. that when it's fully operational, we'll have like one to six workers in it, uh, <laughs> which is Whoa. just an outrageous like ratio. And so <laughs> Whoa. sort of all the stuff going on inside the building prior to it, like being at full production when it's like finally going 
in doing its data center purpose is surprising. There's just so many different things going on. You're listening to our episode with Chad Eichhorn, and we'll be right back. This episode of No Normal People is brought to you by Fife Created, a woman-owned and operated small business creating beautiful handmade clay jewelry, lovingly crafted in Montana. What I love about Fife Created and just the person who runs and operates it, our lovely friend Shayla. Coming soon to a KNP <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah. She is a magnificent person and friend, and I love supporting my friends and family when they endeavor in these kind of business. Especially when they knock it out of the park well, like this yes. one. The biggest thing, though, is that I don't really wear earrings. Like, it's true. that's just not a thing I do. I did buy one pair uh, because I love them and I want to kind of get into trying to wear earrings again because I have the, you know, the piercings for it. So <laughs> might as well wear them. But the biggest thing is that they are so well designed that I am more than happy to buy these for friends and family, like as gifts. Great gifts. I don't necessarily need to wear them, but like they make excellent gifts and party favors and even if you're like me and you don't wear earrings very often you could still bless somebody with some of the most beautiful earrings i have ever laid my eyes upon yeah and now for the first time on this spring 2022 launch she is featuring a couple necklace designs so check out that latest small batch launch currently on a limited run based on the seasonal themes for spring or join the Stud Club subscription service for exclusive monthly designs shipped free to build your day-to-day collections. You can use our code KNP2022 at fifecreated.com. That's F-Y-F-E created.com for 20% off at checkout. And again, that's KNP2022. Transform your normal day into an extraordinary one with jewelry that lets you feel bold, uplifted, and empowered. This episode is also brought to you by that good bean juice. That good, moist (laughs) bean water. That we sell at the Highline shop. Beans, water. That's all you need. I am loving this spring season. I'm loving going to coffee shops, sitting out on patios with my Mac, writing some D&D notes. Sitting outside with our dogs. It's all fantastic stuff. Sipping on that good, good bean juice. But when I don't have the time or the space to go to a coffee shop, my favorite thing to do is is, cry. Is grind a fresh batch of the Highline coffee blend for an AeroPress or a French press or a pour. We have so many ways of making coffee. We've talked about this so many times. I love making coffee at home now because I finally feel like I have good, reliable beans to get. Mm -hmm. I'm never guessing at a grocery store, like, will I really like this? And I'm also not guessing at the grocery store really how fresh the coffee is because every bag you order on the Highline shop is roasted the day you order it and shipped to you as soon as possible. So you're getting the freshest Remember back in the olden times when we would go to the store and buy beans and it was like you'd open it and it was greasy? Like, nah, that's not what you're getting with these beans. These beans are anti-grease. 
Yeah. Delicious, fresh, yeah. good, good beans. That's right. And it's roasted <laughs> by our personal favorite roaster in the entire world. Gary. International award-winning coffee roasters here in Billings by the name of Revel. Yep. And you can get this bag of coffee exclusively on our website at highline.network slash shop. No Normal People is a proud founding member of the Highline Media Network alongside other normal people podcasters like Keller's Couch and The Whiskey Bench. And today we have a teaser we'd like to feature from our friends over at Ravel. Oftentimes we talk about the fruits of the spirit because we come to know those as a way of being rather than just things that we come by. Like we live into being those things and not just having those things, which I really like. I like that we have a very forward driven idea of what the fruits of the spirit are for and how we can become those things and share those things rather than just kind of acquiring them and holding on to them. All right. Well, I am ready to transition the conversation to my personal favorite part of the show, um, where I ask the most vague question possible, which is, <laughs> which is, what are you passionate about? Um, and to try and make it a little more specific, I like to rephrase it as, what do you find yourself thinking and talking about when you have nothing else to be thinking and talking about? Like when work isn't like on your mind or just moments of responsibility of like straightening up the house or whatever. Like I tells you a lot that those are the examples I can think of, but um, <laughs> right. Yeah. What are you into? What lights you up? What gives you the juice? This is my favorite part of the podcast. Cause every one of us has something like this. Yeah. So what's really been keeping me going this last like year and a half is this little book club. I set up with some friends in discord. Uh, I guess it's my book club would be like how I should talk about it. Cause I sort of, <laughs> make well, the amazing. announcements and have admin privileges. <laughs> yeah. But I try to keep it like a really democratic space, you know, where I'm not like just overruling people. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we started in November of 2020, which is 16 months ago-ish. Uh, and we've read 11, 12 books. Wow, well done. And it's a nice way to like expect to hang out with friends regularly, you know, and we all sort of get to see each other despite it being a pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, so much value in my heart. What inspired you to start this space in Discord? So my girlfriend majored in English and specialized in like creative writing and specifically poetry. Hmm. And so she's sort of always been like the person who's naturally oriented to creativity, I, I would say. And we attempted to start up a book club with a different set of friends while we were living in Columbus right after we had graduated. And they weren't like anyone we were particularly close to. They were just like people from like her English department at our college. Yeah. And it only lasted like a couple meetings where everyone just sort of like drifted apart because we didn't ever have any like real interest in talking to each other was the <laughs> thing. And then uh, after the pandemic started, I was like, boy, I would love to see anyone at all regularly. And so she was like, well, let's try a book club again. And this time with like this friend, this friend, Rista. and I was like, oh yeah, what a great group of people to start <laughs> reading books with. 
And so it's sort of grown a little bit from there. We tagged on probably another like four members since, but yeah, it's a smallish club. I think a regular meeting has like six, seven people in it. Yeah. Mm. Great. Maybe eight. And yeah, we just hang out and chat and eventually get to talking about the book. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I've attempted a book club or two myself, not as a leader, but as a more like a member, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I usually found myself a bit frustrated that we weren't getting to the book faster. Um, and yeah. the social time can drag on unless you're really paying attention to it, I think. It definitely can. Yeah. It, it also depends on the book, right? If there's a book that like you're like really itching to talk about, maybe we'll BS for less than 45 minutes even before we start talking <laughs> about the book. Sure. Uh, yeah, it might just be natural that you end up talking about what you've just read. So what does a typical... like? meeting look like for you and your group do you have any like guiding questions that you try to answer oh no every time less organized than that okay Uh, (laughs) so a meeting is everyone sort of gets on within like the first 10 minutes of when it's scheduled usually and just talk about absolutely nothing remotely related to the book uh for usually at least 45 minutes if not uh an hour plus and then eventually someone's like hey I had like this one question that popped in my mind while we were reading the like section we just read for this week. Yeah. Uh, And then that'll be like a half hour, hour chunk where we talk about the book. And then after that, it either devolves back into memes or sometimes into like management of the club and determining what the next book we need to read is going to be stuff like that. Very nice. For the most part, we open with a nice long unrelated chat. (laughs) What kind of uh, books have you read in the group so far? I can just list them off if oh, you want. Please do. I would love that. Because I would recommend m- most of these. So uh, in order, the, the order we read them in, we read The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, which is mm-hmm. a really cool book to like begin the club with. It's like this weird fantasy world where stories have like the sort of poorly explained like power this is just sort of this implicit power behind being a story and the main character is doing research for his graduate thesis i believe when he stumbles upon a book in the library uh that's a untitled unpublished collection of short stories and one of the short stories in it is a memory of his from when he was like four wow Uh, whoa and he's like deeply unsettled and it leads him down this like huge weird rabbit hole kind of literally into this like underground world that is sort of dying now like it's much more sparsely populated Mm. than it should be and there's like secret organizations holding like wars over trying to get access to the book that he like stumbled into finding in the library yeah it's like a whole mess it's a really cool book i probably one of my strongest recommendations off this list i'll spend less time on these other ones um Caravel by Stephanie Garber is like teenage YA rom-com. Wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, classic. Uh, Devil in the White City by Eric Larson is like a historical fiction. Like it's like rooted in a real thing that happened. It centers mm-hmm. around a serial killer who sort of preyed on people around when the World Fair was in Chicago. Oh, um, fun. Yeah, so it's like the serial killer is like a real person, but most of the details in the book are made up. Huh. And it alternates a lot. Like it spends a lot of time instead talking about the lives of this 
architect who was responsible for designing the World Fair. And those sections are a lot less interesting unless you're like <laughs> deeply into architecture. Basically. Right. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Uh, we read Kissing the Witch by Emma Donahue, which is sort of like this like lesbian retelling of like children's fairy tales. It was okay. Um, <laughs> it was very lesbian. Uh, Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chiang mm-hmm. is a collection of short stories. Uh, I believe that collection won like a bajillion big name awards. I was going to say, I think I've heard of that good. one. The movie Arrival, which is about a linguist who's like tasked with figuring out a yeah. language that aliens are using. Right. Uh, the, the movie Arrival is basically verbatim up from one of the short stories in that wow. book. And the short story is better than the book. Oh, um, fantastic. It's a really good short story. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. Classic. Classic, mm-hmm. classic. This next one, The Boy with Fire by Aparna Verna, um, mm. has much less readership than I think all of these other books. And one of the reasons for that is that it was self-published like a year ago uh, by Aparna Verma. And my girlfriend is the editor for that book. Nice. Uh, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Way to go, girlfriend. So one of the books, my, my girlfriend is an editor. That's her job. And so it was- Fantastic. I think of all the books she's done so far, like the one she likes the most. And so we read that and that was really nice. Uh, and I would recommend it, but it would probably be hard to find a copy other than through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dune by Frank Herbert, because the movie came out. Obviously. What a killer book. I could talk about Dune forever. I just started reading it. It's very good. <laughs> and lastly, uh, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro, which we like just finished last week. Nice. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your next book? Have you guys decided? Uh, Oh, they decided, and I wasn't in the meeting where they decided because my power went out. Shoot, what was it? They were like, let's pick Chad's least favorite. Oh, oh, um, I can remember it. It was by Alison Bechdel, famous um, graphic novel mm-hmm. artist. And the piece is called... Oh, The Secret to Superhuman Strength, I think. The Secret to Superhuman something. I think right. Strength. Um, and it's a graphic novel that I think I've read before, actually. And it's about her relationship with exercise. Oh, that's awesome. And I haven't started reading it yet for a current read, but that's what we are currently reading. Fantastic. Where, so like, have you been a reader your whole life? Yeah, I sort of did very little reading for pleasure during college, which I mean, in good part was because of the incredible amount of homework I had to do. Totally. But yeah, I've definitely been a heavy reader, like all through elementary school, middle school, high school. I sure. like a good book. Um, you, you gave us a heads up as well, kind of in this question of passions that cooking finds itself on your list as well. I'm always thinking about cooking, always thinking about cooking. I personally wish I was thinking about cooking more often than I usually do. I think my relationship to cooking is still mostly an inconvenience, if that makes sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I've sort of figured this out just in the last like five years of my life Mm. that I enjoy cooking so much. Um, And I think at least part of it has to do with, of all things, gender. Uh, I'm non-binary and I feel a lot of like euphoria in being in the kitchen and like preparing some quality food for friends and family Mm -hmm. and definitely a part of where that joy comes from is in like the rejection of like gender norms. Right. 
Um, wow. It's, it's pleasant. Could you say more to that? I just, I don't know a better question to ask other than like, I want to hear more about what you think there. Yeah. So my girlfriend and I very much both sort of fall outside of the gender norms you would expect for like a straight passing couple. Sure. And I don't know. It's just so fun to sort of like throw off this like expectation that was handed to you at a young age and be like, Mm -hmm. no, Mm. no, I'm going to go cook all the food. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be the guy who like Uh, cleans the toilets and sweeps the house. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's cool to be like, yeah, this is my thing now. Right. I see. So it's, it's that rejection of like housewife. What are you talking about? This is just a person. I'm the house husband. I'm a house person. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And sort of like in, in some small way, sort of embracing the feminine of it, but also aside from gender, just like the community aspect of like preparing food for people. Like that's like a holy task. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's so nice to be able to do that and provide. Yeah. I love that. So did you say this is kind of recent? Like your, your thinking and love of cooking is like within the last five years. Is that what you said? Or that was just you figuring out like why you love it so much? Well, I certainly came to the realization that I'm non-binary in I want to say 2018. That sounds right. Mm, um, yeah. So I definitely didn't have like the gender part figured out until after that, where I was like, oh, oh, that's definitely part of this. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time cooking with my mom uh, when I was, you know, like very young. Oh, yeah. Love making good batch of cookies mm-hmm. with mom. It's very connecting. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's delightful. You know what's funny? I, so like, I definitely have a very, very deep connection with cooking but i never i never like it was never shown to me by like Mm. the the feminine side of family like when i think of cooking i think of my dad and my grandpa like Mm. like it my mom is a decent cook but like she didn't go out of her way to like teach me how to make a lasagna like Everything that I know about cooking, I know from watching the masculine figures in my life. So I don't like I I can see where you're coming from with that, like desiring to be able to participate in things that people typically view as either feminine or masculine and like taking back the actual activity of that thing. But like <laughs> for, for me, it's like I I. I know societally everybody's like the women's in the kitchen, you know, women stay in the kitchen, they clean the house, all that stuff. But I never, I never really understood that before, but I really like the way that you described it. Um, and that definitely wasn't like the same case for me when I was working through my gender fluidity mm-hmm. and like hearing you describe how you came to that conclusion by experiencing these things and enjoying these things and wanting to use those things and like be in a community it, that really speaks to me <laughs> i really like that <laughs> i'm i'm happy to say it <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite dishes to cook now i just yes. want to talk specifics oh so i like just discovered this recipe i made for my girlfriend and her parents maybe like two weeks ago and i've already made it again since once of course which is for uh pork carnitas um yes (laughs) it is killer it is so good like first bite into this taco i was just like oh 
Yes. Never going back. Oh, what a great talk. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so This is the apex of life. That was amazing. And I sort of got to like learn a bit about like how a traditional taqueria would, you know, go about rendering the collagen out of yeah. the pork and huh. um, why they sort of cook it submerged in lard and why they cook it at the temperature they cook it at and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And sort of how do you, with a regular oven, sort of approximate that as best you can? Yeah. How <laughs> so, do you duplicate um, <laughs> this when you're not in a, you know, a kitchen? When you don't have a 200-pound yeah. vat of lard at yeah. precisely 176 degrees? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I only have that was this, a fun little This Walmart brand experience. meat thermometer. Like, <laughs> how <laughs> yeah. exactly are you expecting me to do this? <laughs> Another one that's very, like, joyful to make for me is a recipe for like definitely an Americanized version of a korma. It's not like a true traditional korma in which you would use like a plain yogurt. Oh, right. Yeah. To form the base of a sauce, but it's a recipe for like a vegetarian korma using ingredients you would find in a regular American supermarket. Mm, Yeah. That's really fun to make. And it tastes great. It's so good. (laughs) It's also like my most colorful dish because it comes out, you know, all like yellow and green and red and other favorites. I love making pancakes. I make of really course. good pancakes. Do you go super fluffy or do you, are you like. They're pretty fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some people are like as flat, like as, fl- as close to a crepe as possible without it being a crepe. <laughs> and I don't understand those people. <laughs> yeah. If I want crepes, I'm making crepes. Right. It's about the stacks. Yeah. If they're asking for flatter pancakes. It's called a they cake wanna... for a reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah. Fair enough. There's a there's a restaurant at OSU, like on campus, called Sloopy's. That's a great name. And it's named after actually a uh, like song that boy, I don't know if it's like an official song as it pertains to like campus history or not, but right. the song is Hang on Sloopy. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it has something to do with like OSU, you know, like 100, 200 years ago. Uh, anyways, Sloopy's the restaurant serves Sloopy's the dish, which is a stack of pancakes covered in uh, peanut butter and uh, powdered sugar and chocolate chips and chocolate syrup. Wow. And, oh, yeah. yeah like hang three on, of hang on those Sloopy pancakes. Is a is an actual song. Oh, you looked it up? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a song. I know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, but yeah, three of those pancakes, I want to say it's like $16 or something, and it's got to be 2,000 calories or more. Like oh, it's like yeah. perfect At college least. food. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, all that sugar. Oh, God. And, I well, love pancakes. In the, in the also, these butter. pancakes are like 14 inches in diameter. They're just enormous. Uh, That's insane. Like plate size, but bigger. Yeah, yeah, they like just occupy the whole plate. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I could see why this would be popular on a college campus. <laughs> Are there new dishes that you're getting into? I know you were you were asking our Discord just recently about weird recipes. What's the curiosity be, behind weird? Oh, I just wanted to do something new. Um, I had a friend respond to that, and she recommended me this a like baked French toast casserole. Oh yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. With fruit she said her family makes it for Easter. Yeah, yeah. it's got. Like cream cheese Fruit stuff. on the top. And yeah, so I may be making that sometime in the future. Do you remember the first dish you learned to make with your mom? Oh, it's almost certainly chocolate chip cookies. 
Uh, uh, Unless you don't count that as a dish, uh, but <laughs> no, I would count. Oh, that, I, I would eat that for a meal. <laughs> yeah, I remember was a, mine was, was mine was. I remember making a big pot of my favorite, um, like uh, tortilla soup with my mom. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of my one of my dishes now. I genuinely do not remember the first dish I ever made. Yeah, the second I one I ever learned. I learned grilled cheese from my dad and. Yep. I make a pretty good grilled cheese now. He makes a now. really good grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's the best grilled cheese I've ever had. <laughs> and wow. I'm very picky about my grilled cheese. <laughs> Do you guys have the restaurant called um, Melt out there? Mm-mm. Have you heard of that restaurant chain? No, I haven't. Melt is a restaurant. Their menu was bigger before COVID messed up supply chain stuff. Right. But it's still a large menu. But before COVID... It was like an eight-page menu of grilled cheeses. What? What? Like, like we're talking like a hundred or more different types of grilled cheese. Oh, um, Stephen, I need you to look up where the closest one is because yeah. we're going. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find we're out. We're driving so, there right now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> My favorite thing on their menu is just a little bit too spicy for me, so I usually do some crying while I'm eating it. Um, but it's worth it, you know. <laughs> But Who it's cry uh, while they eat grilled cheese. The sand it's it's like a a grilled cheese with jalapenos in it, and then after the sandwich is made, they've deep fried the whole thing, and they provide you a dipping thing of raspberry preserves. What? Um, that's like that's mine. Uh, my girlfriend's favorite sandwich from there has it's a grilled cheese that has um, pizza rolls like in it, yeah, and uh, pesto <laughs> sauce. Um, on them oh my yeah. god <laughs> what is I happening they, they have so many grilled cheeses there's like a peanut butter banana grilled cheese they, they've got so many oh my uh, god you have to go there steven we have to go now we're gonna hang up chad <laughs> okay. it was nice talking to you right. we have to drive well <laughs> yeah have a good one i understand so you do you do have me thinking these are two icebreaker questions that didn't come up when i uh drew from the deck today what is your favorite dine-in restaurant Ooh. I enjoy a nice high class experience. My girlfriend really would insist that the best restaurant in the world is uh not Olive Garden. She's she's a diehard Olive Garden. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Um, OG girl. But but my favorite restaurant would have to be one of the really like nice experiences, like a nice, nice steakhouse. Okay. Or have you ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse where they like Mm-mm. carry around the vertical oh. like racks of meat and they like shave it off onto your plate? <gasps> no, no, I haven't. But I want that. But that's fun. Now <laughs> Billings, really Montana hungry. is really not the best place for like cuisine. <laughs> so we're sad a lot of the time. <laughs> I understand. What about like if you had to pick your favorite like chain restaurant? Is it Olive Garden for you too or something else? Oh, it's not Olive Garden. I mean, I like Olive Garden, but it's not favorite material. Um, I just recently discovered Culver's. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because apparently it's like an Ohio, well, I don't know if it's only in Ohio, but it, apparently there's plenty of them in Ohio, and I just happen to have not lived near any where I grew up. Uh, right. But like, they're all over, uh, turns out. And they make some pretty solid sandwiches. And that's like fast food, you know, that's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. high end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mm. No, I'm just very hungry. Yeah, I know. I've done I'm this too. to myself, and this is—it's <laughs> mean. I should have eaten before. It's mean, is what it is. 
Um, Chad, would you like to add anything else to like this, this passion question, like cooking and reading? Yeah. Anything else that comes to mind that you would want to bring up? I sort of have this like love affair with MATLAB. (laughs) Oh, okay. MATLAB is, I I hesitate to call it a programming language because real programmers would like laugh at me because it's not like really a programming language, but it's a tool for doing math and simulation work um, that you have to like program in, I guess. Oh. And I love MATLAB. This sounds like, so are you familiar with Mathematica, the Wolfram? I am familiar with Mathematica, yes. Is that similar at all? Yeah, yeah, it's comparable. I think, now I've not used Mathematica myself, but I think Mathematica is sort of, has like a native like support for visualizations. Like the visualizations are like tied directly to what you're doing. Right. Yeah. From the, from the get go. Uh-huh. Whereas in MATLAB, you have to like code in the visualization you want to create. Oh, um, okay. Yes. I know of Mathematica. I Interesting. Wish I knew more. I could talk about the differences better probably. <laughs> well, I, I can almost guarantee you that MATLAB is better because I thought Mathematica was horrible when I took that in college. It was a whole class. Um, it ended up like consuming most of the time I spent doing homework my sophomore year of college, and it was a one-credit class. Mm. And That's enough. I would not recommend <laughs> I I am the I am the like worst person ever to talk about math with, um, ever. <laughs> so what is it? <laughs> Are you talking about MATLAB? Yeah. So MATLAB is itself an abbreviation of Matrix Laboratory, um, M-A-T Lab, um, and that matrix. It, it, yeah. The the way variables are stored. Is sort of built around matrices as like the default format that numbers come in, I guess. And towards that end, it's the best language for doing matrix math in. I think most people would agree on that at least. That's like the strong suit of MATLAB is doing matrix math. Yeah. Um, Because they have a whole giant library of matrix operators that are extremely well optimized that most languages could never hope to compare to. I remember um, doing matrix stuff in uh was it linear algebra that you that's like in Oh the, yes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, linear algebra yeah. in college. I honestly even doing it by hand was just fun to me. It is fun to do by hand, yeah. yeah. Um but like the most complicated linear algebra operators you would have learned probably in like the first linear algebra class you take. Uh-huh. You know like are just like built-in default functions, you know, where you're just like, "Oh yeah, and call that and boom." And it has like the mathematically like most optimal way you could possibly like have solved it, which sometimes can get like very complex, like in terms of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I like that. Uh, Dixie, you're making a face. I I don't know how many times I've said this on multiple of the interviews that we've had over the last like month, but I don't even know how to do long division. So (laughs) I mean, like I learned slowly, I learned it, but like, it's not there anymore. Mm. <laughs> Take a That's minute. Okay. I used to teach people this stuff. I was a tutor in college uh, wow. for a whole bunch of classes, and I probably couldn't teach most of it anymore. Oh my so gosh! It just amazes me bad. how like, <laughs> like I genuinely cannot like hold 
math in any form in my head. I just get like panic sweats and I just die kind of. Um, But the fact that people like you and also Steven like genuinely find joy in like doing math is just an anomaly to me. I'm really glad that it brings you the joy that it does. (laughs) But like, but also like, have you ever had a cheesecake? Oh, I have. Um, <laughs> We're just talking that's about how, that's hundreds. That's how I feel about, like, I feel about cheesecake the way you feel mm. about math. And Jeez, I, I don't understand that. I feel the way about cheesecake that you feel about cheesecake. <laughs> yeah. You brought it back to food so successfully. I'm just, I'm so well sorry. done. Well, pie. I love it. Get it? Funny. Thank you. Ah, well done. I was I know, like two weeks ago. I know a math joke. That's my dad's birthday. I know a actually. math joke. <laughs> Which is also this. My dad is very good at math. He is like clinically a genius, and he's so good Ooh. at math. And he was born on Pi Day. And does he know about Nerdle? I'm. Anytime someone likes math, you should just tell him about Nerdle. I have no idea. I have no. It's like Nerdle, I have absolutely no. I mean, he, nah, he doesn't. He doesn't do computers. That seems like a game <laughs> that I could get into. Yeah, you should try it. You're listening to No Normal People with Chad Icorn, and we will be right back with the rest of the interview. How about that interview? Am I right? Way it's to go! Not over, babe. I know. Um, so you know how when you when <laughs> when you're in high school and like you like someone so you write them a little note and then you send it to them Mm. and then they write one back to you and they say yes i like you or no you smell like cheese you know that wow what if it's both what if it's yes and you smell like cheese (laughs) yes because you smell like cheese heck yes (laughs) you could do that with our show did you know that you could you could write us a little love letter on uh itunes and it's apple podcast oh i'm sorry apple podcast and spotify probably and tell us that you like us and we smell like cheese you know i'm only accepting those reviews (laughs) especially if they're paired with a five-star rating if would be you, delightful. I'm making a deal. If you leave a review saying something about us smelling like cheese and a five-star, I will send you a sticker. <laughs> and be specific. What kind of cheese? Is yeah, it a pepper what, jack? What kind of cheese do I smell like? Munster. Yeah, absolutely. Parmesan. Parmesan. <laughs> Parmesan. Gouda. A, a good sharp Gouda. cheddar. A good sharp. Yeah. You know? Munster. That would be lovely. Uh, yeah. You could also tweet your favorite cheeses at us. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter and on Instagram. You're only at... getting a sticker for the the reviews, though. Thank you. We are on Twitter and Instagram at no people pod. K-N-O-W people pod. No normal pretty... cheese. No normal cheeses. <laughs> That's a good segment, actually. <laughs> it is. Maybe we should. We should just start talking about cheese. Now, I follow on. a cheesemonger on TikTok, and it is Listen, the light of my life. If you are a cheesemonger <laughs> listening right now, we would love it if you would sign up to be on the show, because I want to interview you and talk about cheese. Yes. And anyone, really. If anyone. you want to be on this podcast. Do you like cheese? <laughs> If you want to be on this podcast, you can by visiting our show page on the Highline website or email us directly at nopeoplepod at gmail.com. Sign up to be on the show. We are now accepting signups for season four that will be coming in the autumn and winter of 2022. Heckin' yeah. Good cheese time. Good cheese time. (laughs) What kind of cheese am I going to get today? Mm. 
smoked Gouda every day. Not a bad idea. Let's get back to the interview, I think. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Chad, what would you say? Do you have hobbies? That feels like a weird transition, but like I like to think of passions as like the thing, but then hobbies are like, it's the stuff you do for fun that maybe helps you kind of like uh, give your mind a break or yeah, just entertain you or fill some time or anything like that. It is with great pride that I let you know I have quit playing League of Legends Cold Turkey for <laughs> almost two years now. Wow. wow. Congrats. Do you have your do you have your two year coin? Your token. Uh, well, I'm not quite at two years yet. Oh, you're almost um, there. It was somewhere around like June, July of twenty twenty. Wow. Um but boy, I when I quit, I had to have had at least twenty five hundred hours of like in game time. Whoa. Plus probably another one to two thousand hours of like YouTube videos about League of Legends. Wow. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. A lot of time of my life. Uh, so, you, so you would have answered the game. hobbies question as League of Legends two years ago. Yeah. But now, <laughs> what do you do with all this found time? Now I play <laughs> other video games. Well, also I read books and cook. Uh, but <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, I play other video games that aren't, you know, like engineered to consume my life. And they have brought me much more joy in much less amount of time sacrificed. And wow. Uh, that's been real nice to sort of like fall in love with the video games again and be like, oh, I don't have to like hang out with four other people who also hate each other <laughs> for an hour at a time in order to like enjoy being at the computer. Uh, you know, I could just like play a single player game and have a great time. Yeah, that's sure. been so nice. <laughs> what are these games you're recently into then? Oh, so many. A recurring one for me is Slay the Spire, which is a deck builder. The concept of like building and playing out a very like weird deck. Sounds like fun to you. That's probably the best deck builder game of all time. Excellent. Yeah, I really like any sort of puzzle game. So probably my favorite, favorite game of all time is The Witness, in which you wake up on an island that's uninhabited, and there's no text anywhere. There's no instructions. You are never told anything in this game. You were never handed Whoa. any sort of guiding goal, nothing. You just wake up and you're in an island and there's no words written down and there's no people to talk to. And all of gameplay is just these little grid puzzles scattered all over the island that um, you learn like increasingly weirder overlapping mechanics that sort of like guide how you draw this one line through Whoa. a grid puzzle. Whoa. And so you have to like, in each puzzle, you have to like think really hard about like, what are these rules constraining me around? What are my goals? And huh. how, what shape am I in? have to draw this line through this grid? Which sounds like it maybe wouldn't be interesting, but it's so interesting. But <laughs> I mean, you describe any like phone game like with That's words true. and anyone's <laughs> going to be like, what? What are you talking? I'm jumping on... <laughs> Jumping on subway <laughs> trains and collecting coins. What are you talking about? Yeah. Other uh, great puzzle games, Into the Breach. Ah. I really enjoy doing chess puzzles. And Into the Breach is like all of the things that make a chess puzzle enjoyable, but without all of the like punishing feel bad of like, if you make a mistake, like it's just wrong. Like instead of you just sort of like work with it, you know? <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Oh, Outer Wilds is probably my other like big, big favorite game I have to talk about. Outer Wilds is 
a game about curiosity and exploration. Those are like the main things mm. going on in this game. Uh, you are an astronaut. There like it is. The sixth, maybe, astronaut of your species who have only just begun exploring your solar system. And so as you sort of set out across your little solar system, you increasingly discover these weird mysteries left behind in the solar system by the previous like sentient race that inhabited your solar system. Uh, And so you sort of like are learning about what things led to their death. Why are they no longer here? You know, (laughs) since your species has evolved since they were gone. And so you see like the relics of their conversations and their lives sort of left around. And so you actually can like follow through these conversations like specific people in their relationships from this now dead species. Huh. And they were like much more technologically advanced than your species. And so you're sort of like stumbling through all their like very advanced relics and trying to figure out what it was they were doing. And there are sort of these three central like mysteries of the game as, as sort of like the designers have put it. And so anywhere you go in the solar system, you're going to be learning small little clues and tidbits related to one of the three like mysteries mm. and it's it's really your curiosity about figuring out what has happened and how things work that lead you to huh. do anything at all in the game fascinating um, what was this game called outer wilds outer wilds which right. i say so clearly because there's a much more popular <laughs> game called the outer worlds uh <laughs> good that it often gets confused for um <laughs> chad my next question for you is uh, do you like to follow any particular morning or evening routines? Oh, my, my girlfriend sleeps in a lot more than I do. I'm not much of a sleeper. So my mornings, I usually just sort of like hold on to her, like her side uh, while she's asleep. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> sort of latch myself on. Um, it's very yeah. sweet. Like an amoeba. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually when I get out of bed, I have to go take my dog outside and I usually make everyone breakfast. And that's about it for morning routines. But evenings, I don't know that I have much of an evening routine. Again, I take my dog out again. I'm always taking my dog out. Excellent. She's got to use the bathroom. You know. Yeah, of course. Um, well, then would you tell me more about your dog? What's her name? And oh, what, there we go. What the personality is like as well. So my little dog, Maple, uh, is 12 or maybe now 13 pounds. She might have crested up onto 13 recently. Um <laughs> Uh, she is mostly black with a little bit of like tan on her like eyebrows and nose. And That's feet. great. Yeah, she, it's cute. And she's uh, long hair. She looks like she might be a schnauzer mix, but we had her tested and she has no schnauzer in her. Her majority breed is a uh, mini poodle, I think. Oh, wow. Cute. Yeah, she's a cutie. And uh, she is a very quiet dog. She... Actually, when we got her, we had her for like four months before we first heard her bark. Uh, so we didn't know what her bark sounded like. Whoa. And she only ever barks if she thinks someone's like invading the house. That's that's basically it. If someone like enters the house and she doesn't like know that like they have my permission to be there, that's like the only time she'll bark. Or, But the very first time we heard her bark, it was actually me coming home and I was wearing uh, like a coat and a hat. I don't think she had seen, like I had just put them on for the first time that season. Oh, wow. And I was like silhouetted against the door. So between like the new outfit and just my silhouette, she just thought I was a different person. Yeah. That was like the first bark we heard from her. She just like, wants hey. to protect the castle, yeah. right? Yeah. She's doing her job. She's doing a great job. Yeah, um, absolutely. Delightful. Yeah. I love that. She brings me 
a lot of joy most every day. All right. We have arrived at the closing questions. This is like a check-in on what you're currently into right now. So I want to start with what you're currently reading. Oh, um, so I just finished Clara and the Sun, which is a really good book. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what you just finished. Have you started another book yet? So I'm in the middle of, uh, Sula by Toni Morrison, which is a story about two black sisters who sort of like have experienced race and adulthood very like differently Hmm. as one of them, like becomes like a mother and the other one doesn't become a mother. I I don't want to say too much more. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'm in the middle of Exhalation by Ted Chiang, another collection of short stories of his. I'm in the middle of The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, which is a series of essays adapted from the podcast by the same name about falling in love again with humanity and modernity. And I'm going to be beginning Jade City. It's a lot of books. (laughs) I like books. So here's the real question I have for you is, do you consider listening to an audiobook reading? Yeah, as long as you're like able to focus on it. Yeah. That's that's the right answer, I think. It, it doesn't really work well for me. Like I yeah. sort of struggle to get the same thing out of an audiobook as I would reading it. But sure. like, if you're able to, you can. I guess I'm not gonna say it doesn't count. <laughs> I think the like the difference between fiction and nonfiction audiobooks is probably worth pointing out too. I think a nonfiction audiobook can very much feel like a podcast to me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of that, then what are you currently listening to? Let's start with podcasts since we're on the topic. I've been enjoying a podcast you all probably haven't heard of before called Brabble. It's uh, about like modern Christianity. Wow. I really enjoy, there haven't been new episodes recently, but I, when there are, I really enjoy uh, Where Do We Go From Here by Esther Perel. Uh, um, yes. Which is a world-renowned, I, I believe, therapist. I don't, she might be a psychologist by like legal profession. But it's the podcast is therapy sessions that have been recorded with consent and have like personal information like scrubbed from them. So you can't like get any sort of identifying information. Yeah. But it's real people and their real voices like going through very difficult uh, relational situations. She's Mm -hmm. like a relationship and sex therapist. Um, And that's just a great, great podcast. Uh, Pricing Nature is a podcast that's pretty young. Um, but it's about like the actual legal approaches that are like realistic and implementable towards like resolving or at least addressing the climate crisis. Mm. Mm. And so like episode one of pricing nature is of course, like introduction to the concept of carbon pricing. How do you tax carbon? Ah, Um, I see. That's a pretty good podcast. Excellent. What about music? What comes up when you open Spotify? I really, really enjoy uh, my friend's band. Uh, the band name is Flipcoin, one word. And they've got, I think, two albums. Oh, maybe three albums in an EP. Oh, I maybe have that nice. two albums in an EP on Spotify. They're fantastic bangers. Highly recommend Flipcoin. And then a band that's like friends of those friends. These aren't people I know personally, uh, but that band is called Old Soul. I believe also one word. Mm. And Old Soul is very like, indie as opposed to just sort of like rock nice yeah support your friends yeah oh absolutely what are you currently watching any shows you're in the middle of or movies you've recently watched uh the expanse i think i've talked to you about before um indeed (laughs) 
I haven't quite finished the last season. It's been out for a little while. I just didn't get around to watching the last couple episodes I have left. Chad, our final question for you, very much a departure from like what you're currently reading, watching, listening to. What does the word normal mean to you? <clears throat> there uh, is this saying within the Nerdfighter community. I'm not sure if you've heard of them before. It's like the no. people who follow the Vlogbrothers YouTube channel. Okay. One of whom is John Green, who wrote The Anthropocene Reviewed. But they have this saying, which is, imagine others complexly, which is to say, uh, sort of remember that everyone out there is a person doing normal person stuff. And that your favorite celebrity maybe had a bad day and ate some ice cream before bed. Or, you know, that like someone who you are only imagining as being this one thing because of the way you've experienced them is in fact a whole person who is complex and nuanced and more than just the one thing you know about them. Mm. So I think being normal is just being complex and having lots of pieces that you aren't showing all the time. That's a great answer. I love that. I think I've seen this phrase on your Twitter bio too. Oh, probably. Absolutely. That's a good spot. You could find it. <laughs> it's very strong. Well, Chad, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a delight yes. to spend some time with you today. Yeah, this has been so nice. Would you close us out by reading our favorite quote? Oh, I would love to. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. end of the show i'm your host dixie leanne hilarious yes and i'm your host for the end of the show stephen henning how about that episode am i right chad chad, chad. classic chad what a de- well i say the word delightful a lot yes you do when it's i uh, in your top 100 words it's probably in my top 10 <laughs> if i'm honest uh especially when you exclude like articles like Anne and sure. the but uh, I think it's true, though. Delightful. Absolutely. It's just, th- listen, the Into podcast did an episode called Sheer listen, Delight. Listen, Linda. Where they just shared about what they find delight in. And ever yeah. since, like, that is that is a paradigm that I prefer to see the world in. Like, I liked approaching the world to find what delights me. And Chad delights me. Sure, yes. He does. Do you know it's what true. I find delightful? What's that? Food. Food. Love food. food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a quiz for you. Quiz time. Quiz time. And it's not about animal genitalia, so you can stop worrying. Great. I really prefer our (laughs) shows to have less of that content. Okay, but how many shows do you know that aren't explicitly about animals that talk about animal genitalia? I think there's a reason that I can think of zero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I'm honest. So we are basically, it's trending. We're breaking We're, the form. Yeah. yeah. Breaking yeah, the mold. Exactly. But this time it is not about that. Great. It's a food so quiz. It's a food thing, which animals can be food. That's not what I'm going into. True. Um, no, this is about my- Bacon um, or steak? My Italian heritage, actually. Okay. Um, I say that like I'm super Italian. I'm so- I'm no. Anyway, we do get our dog to sit by doing. Yeah, the, she's Italian, ooh. and if you if you have a dog, you it's know what I mean. It's the hand signal. There's she's also Italian. emoji. There's an emoji of it now. Yeah, the f- chef's kiss. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Um. So the quiz is: 
Which one of these is not an Italian dish? Oh. Okay. Are you ready? Is Number it, one. There's going to be like Pokemon names in no, it or something. I the bet. first one is Cacio e Pepe. Number two, Fettuccine Alfredo. Number three, Bolognese. Those are my options. Those are your options. Something feels sus about Fettuccine Alfredo. You're right. That's like the American Italian, that isn't is, it? That is, like, that is not, I mean, some like chain restaurants in Italy make it because for Americans. Americans ask yeah. for it so often. That's like how the Americano was invented in the Italian area during World War, World War yeah, II because the Italians were making espresso and they would have to water it down for our because- weak American yeah, because we're allergic to, you know, spicy things. Good espresso. Like espresso, apparently. Yeah. Ridiculous. Acidity is not a strong suit. You like us. how I tied coffee to your American- Thank you. Italian heritage? Yeah. <laughs> you just you just glitched. Freudian. Did you see it in my face? Yeah. Like, I just, I did a hard reboot just now. <laughs> but yeah, fettuccine Alfredo, I mean, fettuccine is a type of noodle. Agreed. But fettuccine Alfredo is not an Italian dish. What that were the was other American two that made. you bolognese? Cacio e pepe. Yeah. Um, that is a egg, cheese, and pepper. So cacio e pepe. See, here's how I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Is because I don't think you can get cacio e pepe or bolognese at Olive Garden. But, no, you can get bolognese. Bolognese is just but, a meat sauce. But the Olive Garden is famous for yeah, yeah. fettuccine alfredo. Oh, which, so famous. Which is like, that's why it was like, that feels sus. But don't you feel so cultured when you go to Olive Garden, Stephen? Do I? No. That was a joke. I come away. You know how Taco John's like <laughs> leaves a smell? Sure. Olive Garden does <laughs> too. Olive Garden is the Tex-Mex of <laughs> Italian food. <laughs> Oh, that's I that is so right. That is hilarious, babe. Oh I feel bad now because we also talked about how Chad's girlfriend's favorite restaurant is Olive Garden. I forgot. I was so sorry, Chad's girlfriend. But it was funny. It's funny. I get it. I get it. Like it's good food. Yeah. It's not like they make bad food, right. but it's not yeah. Italian, really. So sorry, Chad's girlfriend, for that. But thank you, Chad, for being on the show. Use my word Support again. Support your local Tex-Mex it was Italian place. Amazing, delightful. There it is. There's Support my word your again. Lo- Support your local Olive Garden. <sighs> Trying times for the Olive Garden in this season. Yeah. So hard. Wow. Wow. I will give them one thing. And again, this is not Italian, but they're uh, like watermelon sangria thing. Oh. Oh my gosh. I could drink that by the gallon. I was going to say they're Italian dressing. Well, yeah, obviously. That stuff is amazing. Obviously, it's delicious. I truly have some of that dressing once a day with my salads at work. And I drink the watermelon sangria at least twice a day. And get, wow. Wow. This is, I didn't know this. No, this is jokes. Excellent. I love it so much. All right, friends. Thank you thank for you. listening to another delightful, there's my word again. Get out. <laughs> no normal people. We will see you next week. Ba-dum-bee.
What happens when a Christianish agnostic, a liturgical post-Christian, and a female Methodist pastor walk into a podcast? You get Ravel. One in three people will experience a faith crisis in their life. Faith unraveling is often unexpected and lonely. It can quickly feel like everything is falling apart just from asking a single question. Like, does the Bible assume magic is real? Does being pro-life mean more than anti-abortion? Or how should faith inform how we eat? Whether you're deconstructing, reconstructing, deconverting, converting, growing beyond toxic theology, or just asking questions, we're here to be with you along the way. Each Wednesday, we have a drink and pull on one thread concerning faith in the modern world. Listen to us on the Highline Media Network. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.